0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. As temperatures cool, birds migrate to warmer climates for the winter. And the Chicago area is a major spot along migration routes. But it's not just birds that are making their way through town. Talking about those other winged critters, bats. Yeah, bat sightings are on the rise here in Chicago. Chicago Animal Care and Control officials say that they've received an influx of 311 calls about the winged mammals since temperatures dropped earlier this month. So, why are there so many bats around Chicago? And is there anything to worry about? Joining us now is Liza Lehrer, Assistant Director of the Urban Wildlife Institute at Lincoln Park Zoo. Welcome to Reset, Liza. Thank you so much. Perfect timing, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <For> this <bats, laughs> is the season. They've come just in time for Halloween. How great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talk to us about this bat migration, though, because I know, as I mentioned, that birds migrate. I didn't think
1: I knew that bats did, too. They do, in fact, yeah. So um, we kind of have two different groups of bats in Chicago. Um, They're typically here during the summertime, our resident bats. Those bats are moving on. They're hibernating into caves. But then there's this other group of bats that um, can be hanging out in the summer, but for the most part are actually in other areas and are migrating through Chicago to warmer places to spend their winter. So very similar to birds. They're kind of following those insect resources. And they're
0: following that same migratory path or a similar path, at least where Chicago's one of the stops?
1: They can, yeah. North to south, they're going to warmer areas. Um, And in those areas, they're going to then stay. Kind of more active through the winter. They might go into kind of bouts of a deep sleep, what we call a a torpor um, in those spaces. And so, you know, when they're moving through Chicago, they're doing a similar thing. I think very much like birds that use Chicago as stopover habitat along their migration routes. Um, They're coming to Chicago and and feeling like they need to take a a nice rest before they can move on to Mm -hmm. warmer climates. Um, And so that's why we're seeing this big influx of bats at this time. It's those particular migratory bats, which include the silver-haired bats, um, and the eastern silver red bats, silver-haired
0: bats. Yes,
1: yeah. So they're um, a dark bat, colored bat, and then they have these silver tips um, on their fur. Oh my. Yeah. So they're
0: they're very lovely. <laughs> I need to see a picture of that. Yeah, they're lovely. Um, so they're making pit stops to rest along the way. Exactly. As they're doing this, right? Yep. And so, you know, we see we're seeing an
1: influx of them right now. This is a typical time period in which we're seeing this happen. We get a lot of calls like this at the zoo about seeing these sightings of bats. And are um, people like? Freaking out, or are they? Yeah, I mean, I think. Understanding? It's a a combination um, of. Uh, just curiosity. Like, is this something that's typical? Do I need to do anything? Is it okay? Um, And then sometimes it's concern for the bats because you'll see them uh, really not moving at all. They'll go into this deep state of torpor sometimes for a day, maybe a few days, sometimes several days at a time, and it looks like they're not moving at all. They may not be. They're sleeping pretty deeply, but eventually they will move on. So they're not typically staying here over the winter. Um, Eventually they will kind of, after they've had that deep sleep, they'll get up and go about their journey and head out. So it's usually not something to worry about, even if you've seen that bat hanging out there for several days. Yeah. As long as it's in a place that, you know, obviously is not inside your human, your home. Just leave it alone.
0: It'll leave (laughs) you alone.
1: Exactly. (laughs) If it's out on a tree, if it's out on the side of a building that's not impacting you, just leave it alone. Eventually it will move on.
0: Yeah. We'll settle this debate, Liza. I mean, is there actually an uptick here? In the number of, of bats. Or is is this just business as usual?
1: Yeah. So I haven't been able to look at the, the, hard, core, the hard data here about this, um, but it does seem, at least from the number of reports... Yeah, what does I, it seem like
0: to you? Yeah,
1: it seems more than usual at this time period. Okay. And, you know, why that might be happening is for a variety of, of reasons. You know, I think the, um, the temperatures kind of late in the summer were a bit warmer, and then we kind of had a, a pretty sudden cold snap here. So yeah. um, there wasn't kind of a gradual um, um, tapering into fall. Um, so it may be I mean, that people were wearing
0: shorts yesterday.
1: Right. Well, then there was that, too. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it may be that, you know, bats were moving along their migratory route and then suddenly realized, oh, it's really cold. I need to, you know, keep moving or I need to take a break here all at once. And so they kind of got pushed by the weather patterns um, into these kind of concentrated periods of times, kind of similar to what we are seeing with migratory birds yeah. because of some of the Um, storms that were coming in. Um, So, you know, I suspect it's a very similar pattern with bats as well.
0: Yeah. So those factors, changes in climate, um, I guess, diversity of of local, the local insect population, that's causing impact on all these animals, because I'm even thinking back to that story last month about the flamingos in Wisconsin.
1: Right, yeah, Yeah.
0: <laughs> similar thing here, it sounds like. Yeah,
1: similar thing here. I mean, we think bats are, um, you know, behaving really similarly to birds. And so things like storms, things, things like insect populations, mm-hmm. concentrations of those resources are going to influence bat migratory
0: movements as well. Yeah, so as we mentioned, you've gotten a lot of calls about bat sightings. And I think it's interesting that folks see bats and think, oh, let me... Call the Urban Wildlife Institute, because let me tell you right now, Liza, that's not what I would be thinking (laughs) if I saw a bat in my backyard. Uh, So tell us a bit more about some of the the stories they're telling you, what they're seeing. Are, Are the bats just in their backyard? Are they in underpasses?
1: Yeah, so for the most part, and this is, you know, very typical of what we hear every year, both in the spring and in the fall, is that they'll see a single bat kind of hanging out on a window screen, mm-hmm. on the side of a tree, um, on a building or something like that, um, and then just not really moving. Um, so there's a lot of question about, is it OK for a single bat to be in alone? Sometimes I think people have this association of bats as being, um, you know, big colonial Um, Species Really social. You see a lot of images of hundreds of bats, right, in a cave or something Mm -hmm. like that. Those are um, certain types of bats are very social like that. So our big brown bats um, are the types of bats that are hibernating in caves. They have these big maternity colonies where there's hundreds of them all together. But there's also these migratory bats, which are the bats that we're seeing right now, that um, are solitary for the most part. So seeing one individual bat on its own um, sleeping is a typical behavior that you might expect to see. I
0: see. So what do you do once you get the call? Where are you taking the bets?
1: So... Typically we'll get, um, we have an email address actually called batsignal at lpzu.org. Of course it is. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Um, And what we're interested in, because we've been doing research for over 10 years now on bats um, in the Chicago area, as part of our long-term biodiversity monitoring research at the Urban Wildlife Institute, we're studying all types of animals that live in cities because we're trying to understand how cities can um, be better designed to support wildlife and be places where humans and wildlife can coexist. Um, So we've been studying bats for many years now. um, Primarily using acoustics, we're recording their echolocation calls as they're flying around the environment, navigating and and foraging. They're emitting these ultrasonic pulses. Um, We can record those and identify them to species. So we have a really good understanding of what bats are hanging out in Chicago, especially during the summertime. Um, And so... From that, we're really interested in also hearing from the public. Where are their sightings? Where are they seeing bats that maybe we haven't been able to study those neighborhoods yet? Mm -hmm. Um, So we're really interested in in getting those sightings from folks. And um, when people email us and let them know, I can usually um, encourage them to just leave the bat alone. That it's not a concern um, if they're just seeing them kind of hanging out um, and resting during the daytime.
0: So you're you're working with communities to monitor Bat populations. So tell us a bit more about the the citizen science project that you've got going.
1: Right, exactly. So um, for about five years now, we've been running um, a community science program called Bat Tracker. And through that, we have worked with volunteers. Um, Initially, we were working with a lot of um, natural areas. folks who are working with the Park District to restore um, natural areas and parks. Um, So they're folks that are really excited and invested in their parks and they're interested in learning about um, the wildlife that are benefiting from those restoration efforts. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we've worked with volunteers for a number of years now they go out at dusk um, and record echolocation calls by walking paths throughout the parks Um, and it's a really fun and engaging um, way to get in get involved in science um, and into research and learn about the bats and the other ecology of these urban spaces Um, and also learn about other nocturnal wildlife that are out there um, Which and this data that
0: you're collecting what do you do with
1: it um, so that is going into our massive long-term data set of not just bats, but um, you know terrestrial mammals and birds that we've been collecting for a long time. Um, but what this offers us is a way to collect more fine-scale information about where bats are hanging out in a particular site, um, because people are walking around within the park. We can learn about where the hotspots of bat activity is and then look at what the um, exact features are of the landscape that's helping to support yeah. bats in
0: those areas. Well, I think there's a lot of fear around bats, right? And some possibly fair, right? You know, some maybe not so much, as you've described. But uh, I think some people are worried about diseases and they're worried about being bitten. Um Me, I'm just kind of creeped out about the whole like sleeping upside down thing. (laughs) I think that's what does it for me. Um, But we do have to talk about the theory that COVID came from bats. What do you think that people should know about the potential health risks, since we're talking about it, and and, uh, the diseases that we as humans can pass to them?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, there there have been um, concerns certainly of bats and COVID. I think within Illinois, the primary concern is that bats are um, a rabies car- carrier. Okay. So um, we certainly want to caution people to um, obviously not interact physically with bats. We don't want just like any wild animal. Not hey, to approach don't them. Don't go
0: up and pet it. It's not a don't dog. touch. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> um, we really discourage people from having any kind of physical contact with wild animals um, at all, but especially bats because of the rabies concern. However, rabies is um, you know fairly rare on the landscape, especially when we think about the number of bats that are likely flying around, um, and so it's a pretty low percentage of the bats that are um, actually um, submitted for testing, say to the state, uh, the Illinois Department of Public Health. But because of the serious concerns, if you do do come in contact with a bat, even if you're not sure, maybe you were sleeping um, or you're unable to be you know, certain that you haven't come into contact with a bat and you found one in your home, for mm-hmm. example, you certainly want to reach out to your um, health care provider and, and take the necessary precautions. Oh, for sure. Well,
0: why don't you leave us with this? What is your favorite bat and why? I
1: oh know my.
0: I'm asking the tough questions I'm today, I'm on the Eliza. spot. Um, <laughs>
1: You know, I
0: really like the hoary bat. I thought you were going to say the silver haired one.
1: Oh, I mean, they're all they're all wonderful. They all have their, um, you know, unique qualities. So why do you like the hoary bat? Uh, I like the hoary bat because they um, they're very pretty. They have multiple colors. They have gray and kind of black and golden highlights. Um, They're also the largest bat in our area. So we do have Um, about eight bats in the Chicago area. People might be surprised to learn that. Mm -hmm. and they're a large bat. They flow sli- slowly. Um, they make these low kind of long calls. Um, mm-hmm. So I just like their kind of relaxed demeanor, you know. And seek. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> My producer said, I think she probably just Googled it. She said, they look fuzzy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they're colorful, big, and fuzzy. Love exactly. it. <laughs> Liza Lera is assistant director of the Urban Wildlife Institute at Lincoln Park Zoo. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you.